0: Welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And joining us today, he is the Senior Director of Partner Relations at Ag America. Kurt Covington is with us. Kurt, great to catch up with you again, sir. How are you today?
1: Good, Jesse. And you?
0: I am doing great, Kurt. Thanks for the time. We have plenty of things to talk about here today. And I think top of mind first, it's been a big item here in the news. Obviously, the last couple of days, the midterm elections. And looking on the agriculture side, thinking about what this could mean for the upcoming farm bill. Uh, as it stands right now, I know there's still some question on a few races and who's going to control uh, both chambers, uh, you know, the House and the Senate. Uh, just as you take a look at how the midterm elections have kind of wrapped up here almost, what do you think the impact is going to be here specifically on agriculture, Kirk?
1: Well, I, uh, I would start by saying, I guess it depends. <laughs> we still don't have answers to all the races, but in the end, uh, the, uh, the farm bill historically has been a across the aisle compromise. And I suspect, uh, that that will be the case with the next farm bill. Although I do think that it'll get extended. And the reason I think it gets extended is if you really look at the makeup, uh, particularly of the house. I think there's only been 180 members who have actually voted on a farm bill before. Now, those numbers may not be totally accurate, but then you also have a whole new uh, group. I, we, the way it's shaping up mm-hmm. a new group of, of Congress people coming in that are going to have to get educated on, on the farm bill. So I just don't see any quick fix to this, and I'm, I'm concerned that it's going to get it extended.
0: I think one positive is that depending on who takes control of what, you know, what chamber that at least the top leadership on the ag committee, does it appear it will change at, at all, Kurt?
1: Uh, you know, that's correct. And I think the one thing we have going for us, Jesse, and I just said this a minute ago, is that historically, this has been a bipartisan bill. Yep. And I think that the easy way if we were to get this farm bill done is providing more dollars for food and nutrition. Ultimately, that's how you're going to get this deal done. And um, you know, I think if you look at the Democratic side of the aisle, their their concerns are with climate and conservation, key issues there. And the Republicans are focused primarily on strengthening the farm safety net. Including, and we've talked about this before, the indexing of what is now referred to as reference prices for some of these, what used to be known as target price, I guess, reference price is what we use today, because right now they're not relevant. And that impacts, you know, PLC, ARC, loan rates, crop insurance, and even potentially margin coverage uh, insurance. So that's kind of how I see it, uh, you know, kind of setting up right now.
0: Well, and you mentioned the the food and nutrition side, and I know that there's been you know some people who have talked in previous years about trying to split food and nutrition from some of the ag policy, but I know there's a lot of folks who are are against that. And you, you brought up a great point about how there's different things that folks are looking for in this farm bill, and it's always kind of the give and take it feels like with a farm bill discussion on, on getting all of these things done and trying to you know, write a farm bill that is not just state by state, but it's for the entire United States, Kurt.
1: Yeah. So uh, I've heard this catcalls before about splitting uh, nutrition away from the traditional commodity side of this. I think that ultimately, in order to get a farm bill done for our farmers is probably not, doesn't make a lot of sense. Ultimately, if you split this up and then you come back in and strip out uh, food nutrition from the farm bill and ask to raise reference rates to provide farmers a safety net program. When particularly in a year where you see grain and commodity prices in pretty good shape across the board, I think what happens then is that then you start getting some pushback from the other side of the aisle. But To me, uh, ultimately this deal is gonna stay together at at the present time. There's not gonna be any desire to do anything otherwise, but the question is going to be, Jesse, is the pie going to get bigger for uh the farm bill which i think is probably the case or does it just get divvied up differently if there is not an appetite to raise it Now, cbo says that it's about you know what 1.3 trillion um mm-hmm. as they've scored it uh which one one trillion to 1.1 trillion is for you know food and nutrition
0: Well, I know with Ag America, Kurt, you guys, uh, America's largest non-bank agricultural lender, and you you brought up a great point. You know, farmers are looking at any sort of lending right now. They're looking at their operation. I know we've touched on this before, but has anything changed? What are those conversations like between farmers and, and say Ag America right now? What are some things that Ag America is doing to try and help farmers with rising interest rates right now?
1: Well, you know, um, Ag is, as you had stated, is probably the largest originator of agricultural mortgages across the United States. We do business in all 50 states. It's kind of interesting. Um, we always get asked, where are interest rates going? Well, if I knew that, um, um, I'd be the first one to tell you. But what I do know is, is that uh, we have a suite of products that allows those that, that want to stay short on the interest rate yield curve, interest only products, shorter term, who, for those that think that maybe interest rates will fall off in, in a year or two or three, for those that prefer to, you know, maybe have a psychology that they rather walk in a rate and be able to sleep at night can go out as long as 30 years, if you wish, um, you know, and, and that's really a personal decision by that farmer as to what he thinks. We give him guidance as best we can. Ultimately, what, what this, ultimately, what this comes down to in our discussions with our borrowers are pretty much two things. you got to separate your needs from your wants at this time. You've got to separate what are the things you need to buy, the things you need to have, and separate that from the things you'd like to have but aren't necessary um, to operate the business. And I get that. Sometimes that's new equipment. Sometimes that's more land. Um, potentially that may mean, you know, do they want to. Given how strong the economy is for agriculture today, do they you know, maybe take more out as a living expense? All those things have to be looked at really, really hard. And the second thing we talked to them about are the things that we can't control, but they need to understand. And that is, you've got to have a very strong marketing plan for your commodities. Okay, don't leave profits on the table. And so you have to decide for yourself as a farmer, and we talked to them about this, that having comfort in knowing what you're going to sell that crop for at harvest takes a whole lot of risk off the table.
0: Well, I know folks can learn more, agamerica.com. With that, Kurt Covington with Ag America. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, sir. Thanks for the time and uh, wish you a happy Thanksgiving as well coming up and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jesse. And again, that is Kurt Covington joining us with Ag America. And We appreciate his time and insight here into what's going on with the ag economy and the midterm elections and more. That's going to do it for American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.